Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to the Donut Racing Show, everybody, where we bring a processed white bread mindset to the artisan sourdough loaf obsessed podium of Formula One racing. Those guys don't eat bread. My name is Nolan Sykes. I'm joined by my two co-hosts, my favorite auto journalists. We got Elizabeth Blackstock. Hello. And Alanis King. Hi. We really messed up the intro there for a sec, uh, dear listener. Um, that's why I'm feeling so giddy right now. And it's actually a good thing that we messed it up because I'm in a great mood now. This week, we are talking about tech changes and how they have impacted Formula One. But first... I think we need to break down the bread intro. Um, my first note on the bread intro is what video is it where all the Formula One drivers pass by like a like a tent in the paddock and they're all offered like chocolate bread and they all say no except for Yuki. So yeah, uh, yes. they don't eat bread. One. They don't eat bread. Two, anytime I go to a barbecue place, like the people taking me to this place will be so excited. They'll be like, this is the best barbecue place ever. Oh my goodness. And we'll sit down and we'll eat and they'll go, what's your favorite part? And I will say the bread. And it's literally just the white bread from the store that they put there. I've only been to Texas like once or twice. And I'm, I, I'm ashamed of, of that. Thank you. On behalf of the state of Texas. Thank um, you so much. Wow. <laughs> My first order of business today is tangentially related to Formula One, and it is to ask Elizabeth about a story she recently wrote for Jalopnik, which focuses on Jean Girard from Talladega Nights and whether he raced the infamous 2005 F1 US Grand Prix. We talked about this race. It was a complete disaster due to the tires, like no one started the race. It was horrible. We talked about it in our episode, um, The Long Road to Bringing F1 to America. So if you want to listen to that, you can hear exactly what happens. But basically, this race was a disaster. And Elizabeth decided she was going to figure out if fictional character Jean Girard would have canonically raced it. Yeah, so essentially, if you've not seen Talladega Nights, it is a NASCAR film where a Formula One driver comes over and tries to kick everyone's butt. That Formula One driver is Jean Girard. I was showing this movie to a British friend who'd never seen it when I was over in England a few weeks ago. And before we sat down to watch it, he was like, when did this come out? And I, so we Googled it and I was like, oh, 2006. And then there's this part in the movie where, like, they intro Jean Girard at this NASCAR broadcast, and it includes a clip of him 
driving. Like it's literally the blink of an eye, some Formula One cars. And one of them was a Minardi and one of them was a Renault. But if you know the story of the 2005 US Grand Prix, you know that three teams started, one of which was Minardi. And I was like, well, if this movie takes place in 2006, could Jean Girard have raced the US Grand Prix in 2005? I needed to know. The answer is no, he couldn't have uh, because the film was recorded in 2005, which was really, really sad. But like I did all of this research. I like hunted down to make sure that I got the exact like date of the clip. And it was the 2001 European Grand Prix uh, <laughs> that they used in Talladega Nights. Um, the Renault and the Minardi were both terrible cars that year. Like it was just is good stuff. I, I spent way too much time trying to figure out uh, the logistics of whether or not that could actually happen. I think it would have been, like, the coolest thing ever if he had run that race. Like, if they would have just said it a year later and Jean Girard had been in the 2005 U.S. Grand Prix, that would have been iconic. See, my husband was saying, like, if you go based on the timeline of the movie, then it theoretically Jean Girard could have raced the 2005 U.S. Grand Prix. And I was like, well, I don't care about theoretical timelines within the movie because I'm just assuming that the people who were writing this didn't know. And I'm going based on the cars that they were racing and they were racing cars from 2005. So that's my metric of what we're going based on and that is what I'm sticking to. So he could not have. If Jean Girard was racing in NASCAR today, they would not even be able to get his name pronounced right. You're so right. They What would they call him? Gene? Gene Girard. Gene Girard. So if you've not watched NASCAR this year, basically um, NASCAR has a new race car. And this race car is more like a GT car than the old car. So NASCAR used to just have a car that was designed to turn left. Now they have a car that is designed to do road courses and they have a lot more road courses than ever. And something that is happening because of this is they're having a lot more international drivers enter the field and a lot more former F1 drivers. So we have people like Jensen Button racing NASCAR a few times a year. Kimi Raikkonen did a race earlier this year. And our newest entry came this weekend and it was Kamui Kobayashi. Kamui Kobayashi is known worldwide for being an incredible sports car and, and endurance racer. And he also ran Formula One. The NASCAR commentators cannot pronounce these people's names. So at this point, it's like almost not malicious, but like negligent. willfully ignorant. Negligent, it's negligent. Yes. It's not that hard to say Kamui Kobayashi. It's pronounced like it's spelled. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Most Japanese like it's names are. You just sound it out. You <laughs> practice a few times and it's easy. We talked about it a few weeks ago, Nolan. You tuned in for the Chicago Street Race, the NASCAR race. Because it was a wild race. Shane Van Gisbergen, who is Supercar's royalty, Van Ginsbergen. came over. Gen Van Ginsenbergen. Shane Bader Ginsburg came over. Bader Gear. <laughs> and he comes over and he whips the field. It's his first ever cup start. He was the first person to do this since I think 1963. It's been like 60 years. First person to win a cup race in their debut in 60 years. And the whole time, the commentators were like, Shane Gisberg, Shane Ginsburg, Shane Van Gib, like they called him SVJ at one point, <laughs> like Lamborghini. That's pretty funny. Like the Lamborghini. <laughs> They're not good at their job. They put in the minimum amount of effort and Kamui Kobayashi deserves better than that. As we kicked off the Donut Racing Show last year, we talked a little bit about 
the new tech regulations that were implemented in F1 for the 2022 season. But because the changes were so recent, we hadn't really gotten a chance to talk about how they affected and totally changed the face of the sport as we know it. It always helps to establish just a little context. The name Formula One itself historically refers like not to a racing series or a championship, but to a specific set of rules that dictates a championship. So we think of the first Formula One race as taking place in 1950, but the set of regulations that ultimately became F1 were developed years earlier and first implemented at the 1946 Turin Grand Prix, but the actual championship that linked all of those races together came later. Ravioli, ravioli, give me the formioli. I say that all <laughs> the time. No, Nolan, did that just come to you? No, SpongeBob. Come on. Classic. It's SpongeBob. No, I know. But like the reference, did that just come to you while she was talking? Well, anytime I see formula, I think of that. I'm My mind is poisoned. Um, okay, so... <laughs> Formula One's regulations are probably the most important and foundational part of the sport, so they've never been taken lightly. But as time passed and the sport introduced new sets of regulations, it also became really clear that a tech change also came with a hierarchy change. In other words, that means that the teams or engine manufacturers that got a quick grasp on the new rule set generally dominated that era. Think of Mercedes in the hybrid era. They almost immediately figured out how to make the most of 2014's hybrid V6 engine regulations, snatching success from Red Bull, who had dominated the previous era. It's just like I was dominating the mosh pit at the Taylor Swift era's tour. Hey! They didn't know what hit them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just... Just a minute. Taylor Swift with a wall of death. It wall is, of death. The honestly, circle pit, I'd, I'd the circle pit was going crazy. My song is a slamming screen door that I brought with me to hit people with. <laughs> How did you get that through security, Nolan? Did you hide it in your backpack? Well, uh, yeah, it was it wasn't easy, but I did it. I had four chance. I had four tries at SoFi. It finally worked on the third night. They're like, oh, oh, just no. let this guy in with the screen door. Why not? Oh, no, he, he's no. got a he's got a mission. I once took my mom to a Bring Me the Horizon concert. And my mom had to deal with two circle pits happening at once. And I will forever <laughs> love her soul for having to deal with that. Anyway, back to the Formula One regulations for 2022. Formula One has like historically always tried to prioritize tech advancements, but these changes were actually designed to level the playing field and make the racing more exciting. It's not the first time that's happened. In fact, in the first few years of the sport, the race organizers decided that F1 itself was going to be run under Formula 2 regulations because this was in the post-war period um, after World War II. No one in Europe could really afford to run Formula 1, but the Formula 2 cars were easier. And those who did compete could actually like race against each other. Uh, but 2022 was a really big shift in the way that modern F1 approached those regulations. Yeah, so basically F1 and the FIA decided that the best thing for motorsport would be not letting one team dump tons of money into developing the fastest and most advanced car in the world. I think that it's just a very interesting reasoning because in the domination era by Mercedes, Ferrari was the one spending the most money. And I think we often ignore that. I mean, that's because Ferrari just wasn't good. No, it's so true. They just weren't good. 
I think it's so funny um, how, you know, when we talk quickly about Formula One regulations, often the line is the team spending the most money do the best. And yes, that is true. But Ferrari still was spending the most money and they weren't the best. It's just a Ferrari tale. So instead for this new era, teams would have budgets capped at 140 million and multiple vehicle components were standardized, which means every team is supposed to use the same one. Plus, bodywork was simplified and teams were restricted in the sheer amount of aerodynamic upgrades they can introduce to a car. So that means you can't just like put all the little things on the car you want to. Ground effect was reintroduced to increase downforce and the wings of the cars were designed to reduce dirty air. So yeah, there are a bunch of different reasons for these changes. First of all, Formula One wanted to make it easier for cars to overtake each other, uh, which creates... A more interesting race and, in theory, more competition and hopefully more viewership because, after all, this is entertainment at the end of the day. That's what we're here for. We're here to put on a good show. Secondly, F1 wants to make itself a more attractive prospect for new entrants, which is hilarious considering how much backlash and controversy there has been within the sport to allowing an 11th team to join the field. The teams don't want to share the prize money and they're scared of Mario Andretti. Yes, they are. As they should be. As they should be. That attractiveness comes both from the fact that these new regulations make it easier to acquire a ton of car parts due to that standardization that we mentioned. There's a whole list of freaking stuff that's standardized that you don't have to develop your own, like wheel covers and, and uh, let's see, the tires, of course, but fuel flow meters, biometric gloves is something that you can just buy now. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Plus... Teams will know that their maximum budgets will be the same as everybody else. And finally, F1 was hoping to level the playing field so that there's a less significant gap between the number one team and the team in dead last. So that begs the question, did those changes actually work? And how do they impact the F1 field today? Buckle down, everyone. We're going to get into some stats. We saw 785 recorded overtakes in 2022, which was a 30% jump in the number of passes compared to the year before. There are also a couple other stats that can kind of help us contextualize what these regulations were doing. So in 2021, we saw six different drivers win a race, five different drivers score pole, and four different constructors take victory. In 2022, we dropped down to five drivers winning races, but six drivers scoring pole and three constructors winning. Max Verstappen was the winningest driver both years, but in 2021, he only won 10 races, a mere 10 compared to the 15 in 2022. In 2021, Verstappen scored 395.5 points, but the top two drivers were separated by only eight points thanks to that that controversial finish we saw in Abu Dhabi. Uh, The top five finishers were separated by 231 points. Uh, In 2022, Verstappen scored 454, so quite a few more points, and was 146 points ahead of the second place driver. And the top five finishers were all separated by 208 points. Every team scored points in 2022, but Haas did not in 2021. Um, We had different constructors taking the constructors championship. And I think the big one that I want to note here is that the biggest gap in constructors points in 2022 was between third and fourth places, with Mercedes finishing 342 points ahead of Alpine. The smallest gap that year was actually a tie between Alfa Romeo and Aston Martin for sixth place. 
But in 2021, Red Bull's 262-point gap over Ferrari for second versus third was the largest points difference in the Constructors' Championship, while the smallest gap was 10 points. So maybe we've seen some things improve, but these are also just numbers. They are just numbers, and you can interpret those numbers in, like, a lot of different ways. And you can use them to argue that F1 has either gotten more or less competitive since the 2022 regulations came into place. I would argue that if we're arguing about that, then they probably didn't work very well. (laughs) Because you can claim that an increase in overtakes paired with every team scoring points means the regulations have worked to make the championship more compelling. You can also argue that Red Bull's dominance and the cliff-like drop-off between Mercedes and Alpine in the points means that the championship has gotten less interesting. You might love the fact the midfield battles have been more fascinating, but you could also remain disappointed in the dominance of a few teams over everyone else. Or team. Or team. Just one team dominating everyone else. (laughs) As the 2023 season evolved, we've obviously seen Verstappen and Red Bull dominate, but we've also seen Aston Martin step up as a surprise challenger and then after they, they kind of fell off a little bit, then it's more like McLaren as the challenger. But we've also seen Mercedes introduce a drastic car in 2022 that seemed to have no side pods at all, then completely changed course uh, this season. We've watched potential championship competitors like Sergio Perez and the Ferrari team struggle. We mentioned it earlier, you know, in 2014, Mercedes figured out the formula, the formula real quick better than anyone else for years. So I hope we don't see that with Red Bull. I mean, great job, Red Bull. But we do want to see a variety of winners and champion uh, champions over the next couple of years. So we'll see if Mercedes can challenge them. Or maybe someone else does, too. Maybe Ferrari steps up and gets their shit together. Probably. <laughs> I like that you can't maybe. say that without laughing. <clears throat> Literally can't get through the sentence. Look, We've we've talked a lot about Ferrari. You you guys know why I I think Ferrari is is Ferrari. Um, but this is how racing is. I think the thing like we tend to forget is that um, in the past F one has done similar things. They've banned pit stops. They've introduced refueling. They've removed refueling. They decided you couldn't change your tires. They decided you could. Um, all of these were designed in a like to make sure that the racing got interesting. But all of them are kind of like gimmicky so this one was making an attempt to like fix the car so that hopefully the racing would be better but also like i don't know formula one is always a it's a sport of empires and you make your empire when you decide how well you're gonna do with your regulations like a team that interprets them properly it doesn't matter how many gimmicks you throw their way they're still gonna be fast yeah and you know racing is a sport of empires too at the top levels Mm -hmm. All the, all you know, NASCAR, IndyCar, F1, even like drag racing with like the Force family and Tony Schumacher over in Top mm-hmm. Fuel. Like if you're at the top, you can afford the best people to work for you. And maybe the, the, the cars themselves are very similar, but then it becomes the team itself that becomes the deciding factor, right? Yeah. Uh, my suggestion for the Formula One regulations, the Formioli, Formioli, whatever it is. Race spec Miatas. Uh, nope. Boring. Why not? 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no one says no thanks. No, you're right. I'm gonna get some email. Watch, watch highlights from the SCCA runoffs. You literally are Nolan, and I'm so honored that I could do that. Um, I have watched that. It's very interesting. But at the end of the day, uh, I like how F1 cars look. Look, they should do an exhibition race with Miatas. I think that'd be fun. I think but they should do. If I wanted to watch the best drivers, the best Miata drivers in the world, I would just watch SCCA. But guess what? I'm not. You could not. watch the this best drivers in the show. world in Miatas. See what I'm saying? I don't know. I but mean, no, they're not Formula One drivers anymore. Look, I don't know if George Russell knows what a Miata is. He hasn't been allowed to see a car that cheap. That's a really good question to ask Formula One drivers. Do you know what a Miata is? <laughs> Do you know what that is? Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. I think this this set of rule changes was kind of sad as a viewer because it was enacted after the most competitive season we had seen in many, many years. And it was unfortunate timing, but I do get that it had been in the works for a long time and it had been in the works when there was a dominant team. Yeah, yeah. So... It's understandable. It was just really, really unfortunate timing because we saw this very, very competitive season that ended in a way that, you know, makes people argue about it. And it could have just kept going like that and been so good. But they had to change it and make it less competitive for the win. 
part of this is like the 2022 regulations are supposed to be a starting point, and that's coming from Nicholas Tambazis, the FIA's director of single-seater racing. Basically, he's saying the effects of the cost cap will take years to sink in and that there's still an advantage to people who've been successful in the past. So it was bound to still be the well-off teams that, that adapt better to the rules. So the the hope, and this is kind of like a skyrocketing hope, is that like two years from now, it will be more exciting three years from now, four or five years from now, maybe? Yeah, I mean... I think that makes a lot of sense, and at the end of the day, you do need to go for long-term success over short-term success. I think the unfortunate thing about the timing of this is that they went for long-term success right when they got an influx Mm -hmm. of new viewers during the pandemic, and in order to keep those people around, in general, I've seen these people stay around even through an era of dominance, which... Welcome, welcome to the club. Uh, we're in another era of dominance. Hello. But it was just really unfortunate timing overall because you have all these new people. They saw this absolute heater of a season. And now we're kind of back to Formula One, you know? The thing that's been, I've noticed has been like a marked difference and that has drawn my attention to this more than anything else has been the other podcasters and other content creators in this like Formula One world that started off as a Formula One show and have now branched out to everything else. Um, We had the Red Flags pod on last week. And when you think about how much they're doing with like IndyCar or NASCAR now as as opposed to Formula One because of plenty of reasons, but also there's like just not as much to talk about now. Um, They're not the only ones doing it. And I think it's been fascinating to see like, what do you do to create content when it's not the like spicy, interesting thing that you first logged in to see. It's a feedback loop, right? Because I think, look, if Formula One didn't have to deal with the fact that it's entertainment at the end of the day and that people want to be entertained by watching the races, I don't think they'd be so worried about trying to get the teams closer together, right? If they just had Mm -hmm. like an infinite budget and didn't have to worry about paying for media and just the expense that goes into it to produce an entertaining product, I think, honestly, as much as it sucks to lose over and over i think some of the teams would be more than happy to just keep chipping away at in a current like a set set of rules and just see how close they could get to winning rather than having to deal with rule changes uh every few years for the sake of uh keeping viewers around right like because racers are nerds engineers are nerds they want to flex these muscles But does that not also like go against the entire purpose of what Formula One is, which is to constantly be changing, innovating and upgrading? We're like not at the point where we're doing technical innovations anymore, but we're still trying to find some way to move forward, which at the like we can't really get any much better at this point without like creating a jet engine race car and like I was talking to Sam Bird, a Formula E driver, and he was saying, he said that Formula One is a materials competition now. It's who can kind of afford to use the best stuff. Um, So when you reach a point where, like, how do you get better than carbon fiber? You can't really innovate beyond that. Like, how do you get better than the downforce that we already have without it already, you know, there's already issues for certain teams with tire degradation, there has to be a way to innovate that goes beyond just, like, the technical side of things and... I think that's what we're still holding on to, like, we as in Formula One. Like, they're looking at this as this, like, 
we have to do something, we have to change, we have to upgrade, we have to innovate, but what is there left to do? Like, what do you change now? You can't really make the cars faster. You can't make them more complex. You have to do something kind of laterally, which is screwing around with the racing product. Yeah, the cars have gotten so advanced that, you know, the 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 ceiling for thinking your way out of these problems without spending a lot more money is is very 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 difficult to do. Mhm. I think this goes to a root problem in modern motorsports and it's not necessarily a problem, it's just kind of a predicament. Motorsports used to be a competition of like testing your materials and showing, "Hey, I make good cars by my cars, you know? Mm-hmm. Now motorsports is kind of siloed off. It's its own thing, you know, and street cars are extremely capable. We're not really testing <laughs> the limits of street car components in a lot of these situations. We're literally just innovating on motorsports for the sake of it. And sometimes that innovation doesn't come in the form of, innovation it comes in the form of can we make the racing better Mm -hmm. so you're kind of in this weird position where it's like you know a long long time ago horses were how you got around and now we have horse racing but horse racing isn't really innovative you know it's just horse racing oh au contraire i'm developing some some very advanced horse aerodynamics okay Um, okay you might have heard about a lot of the horses sadly (laughs) passing away at santa anita park over the past couple years um we have nothing to do with that (laughs) me and my my team we have nothing absolutely nothing to do with that nolan is doing crisis pr for i will say though that (laughs) we may have gone a little too far with the horse thrusters um (laughs) they do not like the noise that they make uh the, the, we we are working on making the, the wings a little bit more comfortable for the horses so they can really lean into those turns at the track. And, um, you know, put, put your bets um, on my horse. My horse's name is um, Mostly Sunny with a chance Ooh. of rain. Um, <laughs> they make you give them long-ass names. I don't know why. I wanted to call it, like, Strider at first because I just watched Lord of the Rings. But they're like, no, that's too short. You gotta have it be a weird nebulous. Gotta name. be at least four words. Gotta be at least yeah. four words. We need a sentence, um, please. <laughs> but also, I do want to say, horse racing was actually about innovation in science. It was like you had to breed properly and buy the best horses and like get the best dudes to make the baby. So there was some element of that that was going on in terms of innovation it was just a slower process but what i'm saying is the innovation is not directly related to how we get around in most scenarios like formula e you could say is the most innovative current series because they're actually racing electric components they're racing something that is the future formula one and nascar i mean and indycar and all of them sure like maybe they'll go hybrid but We've had hybrids on the road for a long time. Like, they're not making the future of hybrids in front of us. I don't disagree with that at all. I don't know I mean, enough to, to dispute that. The, I was going to say, I was in Portland, I was talking to Jaguar, and they were saying that the, the battery and software technology upgrades that they were able to design in Formula E uh, created greater efficiency in their actual electric road cars. So even though it's not like mm-hmm. they're not developing hardware, they're developing software. Uh, there is still a 
transfer of technology that's happening directly from Formula E season whatever to your road car today. Yeah, Lucid. Mm-hmm. Lucid, they developed the the motors for Formula E. They they have the motor, right? They were a huge supplier for Formula E for a long time. Um, and then that technology is now in the Lucid Air, which is a very, very fast car. I love that car. Oh, I miss that car. Any other thoughts on this, guys? Yeah, I mean, four-speed manuals and five-speed sequentials are not really relevant. Um, but Formula oh, E yeah. is. Oh, yeah. So, like, yeah. y'all okay. generally agree with what I said. Yes, yes, Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I don't disagree in the slightest. I think... I don't know what what has Formula One given to modern cars recently. The CLS now, the CLA or C- CLS, the big boy that is now a four cylinder turbo hybrid, right? Okay. Um, okay. Not selling as well as the V eight one, uh, I read, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, of course, Mercedes has to be using the the hybrid tech that they developed in their road cars. But also, like, I, I guess my question is, like, how much innovation are they doing in that on a regular basis? Like, it's not like the, the concept of a turbo engine did not suddenly exist because Mercedes decided no, it would. No. It's not like the way that we used to do in Formula One where you'd like the gurney flap was not a thing. That was just not until Dan Gurney put it on one of his race cars. Um, and now we can use that for everything else. They're great. The autos are great. ZF8 is great. Basically, all of these rule changes that we saw in 2022, whether or not you like them probably depends on what you define motorsport as and what you consider to be motorsport success. If this is correct, if then this is just the first step in a new direction for F1. The coming introduction of the 2026 power unit regulations that are going to be changing could make things more exciting. We shall see. We shall see. That's all you can really say. We shall see indeed. And we shall now see who's our boyfriend of the week. You thought Liz was the only one who could do smooth transitions. But guess what? I just did one, too. Good Boom. for you, Nolan. That's right. It's middle, middle school rules. Boyfriend of the week. For this week only. I'm going to lead it off. Um, my boyfriend of the week is the <laughs> geological formation that is... The Bonneville Salt Flats. <laughs> I knew you were going to say this. <laughs> I knew this was coming. <laughs> the ent- all the many metric tons of salt um, out there in Utah, on the Utah-Nevada border outside of Wendover. Um, yeah, I was out there last week. Uh, that's why I'm a little tired today. Um, we went out there, me and my dad and our team, uh, Smokey, Vince, and Chris. Uh, we ran our roadster that we'd been working on. For several, I say we, they'd been working on it for several years now. I just kind of go up to a Tascadero every now and then to make sure I still fit in it. Uh, but yeah, we were <laughs> finally able to run this run this year. There was still some rain. We looked like we we're going to get rained, rained out again like last year. The SCTA, B&I, all the wonderful volunteers and organizers out there, you guys put on a really great event. You guys are also my boyfriend of the week this week. Uh, I also want to shout out Jill Iverson. She was a starter. One of the There's a couple starters that uh, kind of once you're strapped in the car and your crew makes sure you're good, they hand you off basically to the starter. And then the starter is the one who like tells you when to go and like make sure that you're, you know, secure in your car and, and, and they're watching you to make sure you do everything correctly. Jill was very uh, kind and, and helpful guiding. I had to get my licenses at different speed levels. She really helped me out with that. Really great team out there at Bonneville. I really can't wait to go back next year. 
Uh, we went 193 miles per hour in our final oh. run. We didn't quite break 200, oh. so I didn't get my A license, and we didn't go for the record in our class. But 193 miles per hour, uh, it was if it was really fun. And I was really sore for a couple of days afterwards from being strapped into that car so tight. Oh, I uh, so, Bonneville Salt Flats, my boyfriend of the week. I have two questions for Nolan. My first question is, did you have a boyfriend of the season since you missed last week? Uh, uh, Lando Norris. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> really? Actually, no book, but I think I would give it to him right now. Um, no, he's been doing pretty good. He's been doing really great. Oscar looking pretty good too, dude. Oh Them my McLaren goodness, boys. here we go, the McLaren thing. Okay, Ooh. I regret asking. Um, second question. <laughs> <laughs> second question. Bonneville salt's flat. Yes. Um, Did you, you lick think it? there's more salt oh. there? Did you lick it? Oh. Do you think there's more salt there or in my weekly chilies order? <laughs> it might, it's pretty close. Uh, I didn't <laughs> lick any salt this year because uh, it was all wet and that seemed kind of oh. gross. But last year, I definitely did pick up a little salt crystal. And uh, guys, that's salt. It's salty. It tastes like salt. <laughs> okay. Because it is salt. Uh, it's okay. literally salt. No wonder Nolan's horse, uh, what, what is it, mostly sunny? Mostly sunny with a chance of rain. Uh, mostly sunny with a chance of rain. No wonder that horse is so good. Oh, you yeah. know your science. Oh, yeah. Um, Elizabeth, who is your boyfriend of the week? My boyfriend of the week. I have kind of a, an out there pick this week. It is the Twitter account for the X account oh, known no. as eBay Jackets and Hats, uh, oh, <laughs> which posted yeah. a, a photo of an eBay listing for a PT Cruiser varsity jacket. Uh, I freaking <laughs> bought it. I think that was maybe the best. It's just literally like a PT Cruiser on the back of a jacket. Um, and I, that was like the highlight of my week was seeing that on my Twitter page and then hunting it down on eBay and spending $38 on a thing I don't need but will that cherish. That is a deal. Yeah, I was, I'm going to wear that thing. It's a men's size medium, so it'll actually fit. I was expecting that is it such to be a deal. like an extra large. Nope. Thank you, uh, eBay jackets and hats. You've saved my life once again. <laughs> Alanis, who do you got? <laughs> okay, here we go. Um, my boyfriend of the week is 2311 Racing, the NASCAR team, because I had the most wholesome interactions with them. So first, Kamui Kobayashi, our guy who's sports car, endurance, Formula One driver, everything. He made his cup debut with 2311 um, over the weekend, and he learned that NASCAR drivers will just wreck you for no reason. And poor Kamui. I talked to Kamui before this race. And at the end of the interview, every time I do an interview, at the end I say, is there anything I didn't ask that you would like to talk about? And usually this means anything I didn't ask about you or your life or this story that you would like to talk about. And I asked this to Kamui and he sits there for a couple seconds and then he goes, what's your favorite food? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, um, and I'm thinking of like just foods, not restaurants. So I say chocolate. And I was in my kitchen because I liked the lighting and I was feeling like light and airy that morning and the kitchen was nice. And I sign on before he even introduces himself or learns my name. He goes, nice kitchen. And I was like, oh, thanks. I don't use it. My husband cooks. So I say chocolate and he, he accepts this answer. And then he goes, it's because you don't cook. And I was like, that's cute. Damn. And he was like, you just buy. You don't cook. Ooh. And I was like, uh, 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 uh. 
you've known me for 10 minutes and that's the most accurate read anyone's ever had on me. Thank you, Kamui. Um, we had a great time talking. I love that guy. Then a couple hours later, I talked to my BFF, Tyler Reddick, for this story. He calls me and I say, this is Alanis. And he goes, hello, this is Chili's confirming your weekly dinner reservation. <laughs> and I was like, that's so cute. Thank you, Tyler. I really appreciate you. And then after that, I talked to 2311's president, Steve Laletta. And 2311 was the first ever NASCAR team to do a Pride t-shirt. So NASCAR itself did a Pride t-shirt last year. This year, 2311 did a Pride t-shirt. I bought it. I wear it all the time. And at the end of our conversation, Steve goes, I just want to say thank you so much for wearing our Pride t-shirt all the time. I really appreciate it. And I was like, thank you, Steve, for having a Pride shirt. So 2311 Racing, love you. Thank you so much. Y'all were wonderful. Awesome. And you all, our wonderful listeners, are also wonderful. Thank you for listening to the Donut Racing Show. We'll be back next week to talk about the connection between Formula One and Extreme E, and to talk to our Ooh. new friend, Extreme E driver, Kyle LeDuc. Yeah, I can't wait for that. That's going to be fun. All right. In the meantime, make sure you subscribe to the show if you haven't already, and tell all your friends to tune into the Donut Racing Show. Very Please, please do that. Uh, and if you want to leave us a five-star and kindly worded review, it really helps us out. We also have an email address you can use to get in touch with us. Here's an email we got recently. Subject line, Valtteri Buttass. Love this show so much. If you are ever looking for video ideas, I'd love to watch the gang play the Formula D board game. Formula D. Huh. Okay. That's from Sid. Thank you very much, Sid. You can email us at donutracingshow at donutmedia.com. Yeah. If you're not familiar with Donut, we have a YouTube channel as well as an automotive history podcast called Pass Gas. Check them out. You can follow DRS on Twitter at Donut Racing Show and email us at donutracingshow at donutmedia.com. Elizabeth is a Liz underscore Blackstock on Twitter and a Liz A Blackstock on pretty much everything else. Nolan is Nolan J. Sykes anywhere you can find him. And I am Alanis, in as in Nicole, King in pretty much everything. And then if you want to find me on YouTube, it's Alanis King without the N. Have a wonderful week, everybody. We appreciate you. We love you. Bye. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. 
Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.